You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show. Do you love CE, continuing education? I do. It's one of the best investments you'll ever make as a dentist. And your question might be, I got to make sure I'm choosing well. I really want an ROI when it comes to the CE I take. Well, today I bring on a great friend of mine, longtime member of the Act Dental community who thinks a little bit different. His name is Dr. Andrew Turchin, and he walks us through how to get the biggest ROI from continuing education. So please listen up. Hope you guys enjoy this and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. Do you take a lot of CE? Do you wonder, am I taking the right course? Am I going to put this into play? Or is this going to bring me any ROI? I hope you're asking that question because it's one of the key pieces is that when you take great CE, you want to get an ROI. You want to put these factors into play. You want to start making it happen in your practice. And I got a great friend of mine, an old friend of mine that I've watched and grow and mature into an amazing dentist, and his name is Dr. Andrew Turchin. We're going to be talking about his story and why it's so important to maximize your ROI and CE. Andrew, thanks for being on, brother. I appreciate you. I'm so glad to be here, Kirk. It's been, it's been way too long, and I love catching up. Yeah. Before we hit the go button, I was sharing with you, like, you're one of the top five pivots I've ever seen in dentistry. So just a little quick story about Andrew, like you and I, we knew each other. You were looking at buying this really big practice in New York. And I'm like, I think you can do that. You did it. You built an even better practice from it. And then one day you go, I don't know if I love New York. I, I'm thinking about moving to Aspen, Colorado. I'm like, that's a pretty big move. You did it. You sold your practice. You moved there. You've been out there. Now you have a you know, gorgeous family, a great practice. Um, so tell us what, what didn't I share in that story about your journey? I want to tell the, tell our listeners a little oh, bit about your journey and who you are. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the only thing I would, I honestly, you told a great story, except that I did love New York. I loved New York, but I really just wanted to ski. So yeah. that was my passion. And I think, you know, for me, the lesson in my journey is to follow your inner 13 year old. Because my bar mitzvah 
theme was skiing. And New York was great, but it didn't have much skiing really at all or anything decent. So uh, I found the closest thing to New York City in a ski town, which is a place called Aspen that has actually a ton of culture, a lot of New Yorkers. Um, and it's funny, I still refer to some of my specialists in New York. It's, you know, it's a very uh, mobile community to say the least, you know, whether they're willing to jump on a plane for the best care or jump on their jet. But, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting. Um yeah, I just I just want everybody to know that there's teeth everywhere. Live where you want. I, I think it's wild. This, you know, even demographics. I, I never I've never looked at demographics. I didn't look at them in New York because we knew they were horrible. So I wasn't worried about Aspen. There's always teeth. There's always people. Get out your message and and do what you do. I, I have buddies in the most saturated places in the country, and they're thriving. They always thrive, and they can move from one saturated place to another. But it's them. It's their leadership, it's their clinical skills, it's the combination, it's their charisma, whatever it is, they've got what it takes and they could do it anywhere. And yeah. uh, I was worried if I could do it, but it, it worked out just fine. Yeah, that's what's so cool about this incredible <laughs> profession. It's very noble. Um, the, the choices you can make, you can practice wherever you want, you can charge whatever you want, you can work whatever hours you want, you can do what style you want. It's so Cool. And I'm sure you get some younger dentists in your courses. And that's probably one of your main messages, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to create the practice of your dreams. Now, I, I do think general dentistry is the key. Like all of our, like our buddies, like your our buddy Cranham, right? He mm -hmm. always said 50% general dentistry at all times, you know, and realistically, no matter what I've done in my career, big cosmetic cases, reconstructive cases, there, are there was a time uh, you know, after the summer, after COVID, I prepped like 10 over tens or whatever, like seven out of nine clinical days in a row. But still for the year, I bet 50% of my dentistry was general dentistry. You know, yeah. no matter how heavy I get towards, it's never much more than 50%. It's really, and I think there's that balance. So, and the reason I say that is because I think it's important for dentists to know that their general practices have a lot of really cool cases sitting there. And I've never marketed a day in my life really. And uh, nobody has to market for it. Just have, learn how to have the right conversations with the patients, I think is, is what I've learned over the years. Um, and the number one thing I tell these young dentists is just because they come in and say, I just want a cleaning doesn't mean you can't have conversations. You have to know how to have them in a non-pushy way, in a non-threatening way. But I, I, almost every single patient that comes to my practice, let's say 98% say to me, I just want a cleaning. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Some of them do full mouth reconstructions. We do a lot of full mouths because to get the whole system right, uh, oftentimes that's the right answer. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So let's, let's go. When you talk about maximizing your ROI and CE. Give us the why behind this, you know? Well, you know, it's costly for us, not just money. I mean, you know, uh, it could be a thousand dollars. It's not no money, but $10,000 or, or, you know, you could spend 50, hundred thousand dollars on a continuum. Uh, but it's the time away from your practice, which is somewhat costly. And, and probably the costliest of all is the time away from the family. I think we discount that right now, on the other hand, time away from the family is not so bad when you balance it with camaraderie of being with your colleagues. And I think that's really powerful as well. Um, but while you're doing all that, you're having a good time with your colleagues and everything else, 
it just makes sense and you're spending money that you get a nice return on it. And I think some people don't think like that. They think, oh, I could get my C credits for, you know, $100 online. Nothing wrong with online courses, nothing wrong with, you know, take a little tidbit out of everything. But I think when you're spending real money, you should think about, and and, and taking real time away, you should think about what, what are you getting out of it? And what can this do for my practice, my my life, if it's a life-changing, you know, when you start doing life-changing dentistry, it, 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 it feels different. You, you, you become a different person. Yeah. You also hold the balance of like a lot of different types of course. You take in a lot of technical CE, but you went through a program called strategic coach, which is not a dental CE program. Talk about that seven years in there. Oh yeah. Um, strategic coach by Dan Sullivan. I, I think it's the largest, um, uh, entrepreneurial coaching system to create a self-managing business. And the joke is I'm still a wet finger dentist with no other dentist in the office. Just so, you, so everybody knows my practice is me, a hygienist, three assistants, two lab techs, and a front desk. I mean, it's uh, almost as simple as it comes besides the the labs. And I'm still doing that. Um, and so I'll keep going to coach for a long time until I have a bunch of dentists doing the work for me. But, you know, it takes a long time to find that right person to replace yourself. And I'm a clinical geek. This mm -hmm. is who I am. You know, I've learned to, I've learned leadership and other things are really important. Uh, but in the end, I'm a clinical geek and I want to do dentistry. A lot of people want to, you know, pull themselves out of that. It's like a life goal. And strategic coach is probably great at doing that. What I learned um, is how to be a better leader, to be more clear, actually to be a better coach to other dentists. I think I learned a lot there and, uh, and to follow through with my vision for my practice, which isn't, you know, taking myself out of it like so many other dentists, which there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Yeah. And go back to that. But you talked about the clarity of being a leader. Like you've put a lot of energy. One of the biggest ROIs you know, is not necessarily just being a better dentist. Those are important. Don't get me wrong, but it's the leadership investment and I think, you know, we are always encouraging dentists to just try to become a better leader and create other leaders. You know, if somebody young is listening to this, how important is the leadership investment that you made? Oh, so much. I, I wish I put more energy into it. I did the right things. You know, I hooked up with a great coach called Kirk Barrett. I don't know if you know him <laughs> uh, a long time ago. I've taken strategic coach, um, you know, Brian DeRoche courses on, on leadership, so many things, but I almost wish I put a little more into it sooner or, or really maybe I just didn't understand that it was, it's really about what I'm calling clarity of leadership. And, um, and recently I've really dialed that in. You think I've been doing this 25 years. I can't do anything new or better, but I hope we do, or else we should just retire. Right. If we're not doing right. something new and better every day. And I took one of your old, uh, your job pie chart of task attitude and promote dentistry and made it kind of the beginning focus of a one pager. And I think, by the way, every good idea in life should be able to be explained in one page. If it takes more than one page, then then you, I don't think the person trying to explain it is clear enough to be able to. Yeah. So one pagers are huge in my life. If I could, I have a one page on so many different things. Treatment plan acceptance on my course is a one pager, one page flow chart for, for dentists to follow. And right. again, if I can't do it that short, then maybe I need to, I need to clarify it myself. I'm a simplifier. So, well, let's go back to, let's give some people yeah. some ROI on that CE. So it's a, it's a wheel and I'll, I'll give you full, you know, full 
disclosure on where it came from. It actually came from Linda Miles. Oh, yeah. And oh, she was a great yeah. mentor of mine. And she yeah. drew this for me. On, and if you're listening to this, you could do it too. She drew a circle and she, she basically split it into three pieces of a pie, you know? And so one of them was task, one of them was attitude, and another one was promote dentistry. And she said, Kirk, if you could do one thing is teach dentists that they have to lead people this way. You know, you have a task, you've got an attitude, and then you've got to promote dentistry. And it's really three parts of your paycheck. You get paid for those three things. Now, we've taken it and developed it into something a little bit different, um, more than that. But I learned so much by implementing that. And that's the wheel that you're talking about. And the other thing I learned, I'll just throw this into the room too, is that attitude is not, it's not a feeling. You know, it's not a attitude is an external manifestation or, you know, a lot of times we work with people and you can't, you know, it's not a mood. I was like, oh, people can't be moody. No, great people will be moody, but it's the choice that they make is their attitude. It's an external manifestation. I know when people are moody, I'll be like, what's going on there? But when you watch them externally manifest, they're making very specific choices, you know, about who they need to be in this environment today. But I want you to share with our listeners how you use that and give them some ROI on the clarity piece. Absolutely. Um, so the one pager that has uh, first the pie chart from Linda Miles, I didn't even realize. And then our core values, which I used to have... Um, you know, I used to have words, you know, whether there's, we're systematic, we're, uh, we're dedicated, we're compassionate, we have integrity, we're world-class, it's one of my favorites, right? One word that describes a lot, like you're amazing. Um, and, and, but we, to define them really went a long way because those words mean different things to different people. So as a team, we define them. Uh, and even your pie chart, I, I, I thought, I used to think attitude was mood. And I redefined it recently. And on next to the pie chart, there's some bullet points next to each third. And for me right now, attitude is coachability. Whether Love somebody it. listens, understands, learns, takes responsibility. It's the lost art in the world these days, it seems. Uh, versus, you know, and I think it's powerful to say the verses for people that don't understand what they might be doing that aren't in that. And it's talking over defensive and finger pointing. In my practice, when I go to coach somebody, I can't have that. It, it's I don't do well with that. And I and my clarity of vision has helped my team be better teammates to me, the coach. Yeah. And I think we have to look at ourselves as a coach and them as part of the team and not their boss. But listen to be on my team. This is how I this is how I, I'm my best self. And I'm I want people around me to help me and just giving them clarity to that. Mood is great, positive, warm, wonderful, but then also believe in the practice and the team. Uh, without that, you know, nothing great happens. You know, this has all been written about an energy bus and all of these things. But for me, without reading 30 books, I can explain to a new team member, this is what we're about. This is what I need. This is what the team's expecting of you. And, uh, you know, when they don't, it's very easy. Hey guys, you know, we're having a little trouble. You know, I could speak to somebody Hey, I just want to, instead of like blaming them, like, I don't like your attitude. I could say, you know, that coachability thing we talked about, I'm, I'm finding it's, I'm having trouble coaching you. And I'd like to coach you to be your best. And it's much easier to talk that way instead of saying you're being an asshole. Yeah. Can I, I love it. 
I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. You totally can. Talk about the third part of the pie, which is the promote dentistry. And then you alluded to the word amazing. You could tell that story. I totally. Oh, forget. I love. Like, oh, yeah. I love so that why, story. How do you use that? How do you use that with your team? Tell the origin of that story. Yeah. So, you know, when I first saw this pie chart, I'm like, promote dentistry. That's great. But like anything else, we have to give people the tools. How do they, they're not marketing experts. These are dental people, right? Nothing wrong with dental people, but they're not trained in marketing and um, sales. So I long ago decided to give them some tools. And what we did was create what I call promotions. And in my practice, I think we have about six of them. And they're things that make your practice unique. Um, and not like, oh, we're really nice. I mean, that's that's apparent by the way you treat people. But um, yeah, for instance, in my one of my, and this is why this is a great example because in our office, one of our great promotions is we have an we have in-house artisan ceramics to make your teeth custom, beautiful, and natural. Right? In somebody else's office, they could be a Sarek doc that says we make it in an hour. The literally opposite of what I do, mm -hmm. and promote what what you're about, right? You're a Sarek dentist because you think that's the best way to do it. I could agree with you or disagree. It doesn't matter. You believe in it. Your team needs to believe in it. And they have to have that at the tip of their tongue. So what I always recommend to at my course is you sit down with your team, you spend an hour coming up with your six promotions and then laminate them, put them in sterilization, make sure they're at the tip of their tongue. And there are things that could be said at the perfect time. Like we have almost no breakage or debonding of our veneers, for instance. And so when some, one of my favorite patients is a person that comes with a broken veneer, that's a huge opportunity for me. And my team always knows exactly what to say. They say, oh, really? Have you had a lot of this problem? And they usually have. Uh, and they say, I don't know if you're aware, but Dr. Churchin has a 99.6% no debonder breakage rate. And it's at the tip of their tongue. You can't buy that kind of marketing elsewhere, right? When your team says it right then and there at the pertinent time. So you find those six that are, the things that they get to plug in wherever. So that's what I call uh, having promotions, having the tools. And of course, asking for reviews or referrals are always there. Or just say, Dr. Turchin's amazing. And I tell you, this is what happened, Kirk, years ago. <laughs> the time you actually, the, I saw you lecture with this pie chart. Um, that night we went out to dinner and the, you asked how the salmon was to the waitress. Yeah. And I'll never forget this story. Uh, she said, oh, it's, it's good. Yeah, 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 it's nice. <laughs> and you said, but is it amazing? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I think so. And you said, let, let me give you, and you're a constant coach, right? You're a consummate coach. You said, let me give you a little, little advice. Are they really looking to move the salmon? It's on the specials. They probably have a bunch of salmon back there they're trying to move. And she's like, yeah, you know, sure, of course. And you said, the only word you have to use to describe it is amazing. That's it. <laughs> Everybody knows it. it's a universal word. And that's all you have to say, and you'll move it. And, and then when she left, you said, everybody, that's the word your team needs to know how to use. And I went home and told my team, and it's part of what we do. In fact, by the way, on this one pager, on the bottom is a little section called words of the practice, and amazing is on the list. Yeah. I think it's an important thing. And, and you, you know, you got to be careful about how you present this, but I would say, I tell people in seminars or training, like you got to call your office amazing. You got to call your dentist amazing. Your team members, even the team members you were, let me take you up to the front, Susie's. I like amazing and incredible, fantastic. You can use those interchange. Let me take you up to Susie up front. She's fantastic. She's going to help you through all of these things. And it's called, 
you know, those are verbal skills. Verbal skills matter. And that's those promotions that you're creating. If you're a dentist listening, I think it's a great tip, great, great ROI on some great learning is like, find out the six things that separate you. Because one of the things we're going to talk about is getting out of PPOs, which is a big conversation. But in order to do that, you've got to be different. You've got to be unique. You've got to be special. And there's nobody better that does these promotions than a, than a server in a New York restaurant. When they come to the table, they'll say, welcome. And then they kind of wipe the cloth, tablecloth, and they'll say, tonight, we have a grass-fed, you know, veal chop, bone-in, that's, you know, it's, it's a balsamic glaze. And by the time they finish talking about it, my mouth is like watering, like, and then we do some Brussels sprouts with a little lentil, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I just, I got to do it. Now we've shared this before, but if you know anything about restaurants, restaurants, when value interpretation is done really well at the table, 50% of the people at the table will order the specials. Now, if I have a 10 table or 13 table restaurant, think about how easy that is on the kitchen. If half of the people I'm presenting this to are ordering the veal chop, in the back. I mean, we know it's great, but a lot of times it's got to be sold at the table. And then we're not talking about cheesy. We're just talking about creating value with words and making them very specific. And what you've done, which is probably the hardest thing, is getting everyone to say something similar and be on the same page, which is a great leadership skill and important because people need to know this is not just your average dental office, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. I, especially where I am, I'm in this like tourist town and uh, sure plenty of people live here, but a huge part of my uh, patient base are in and out and don't live here, which means they have another dentist in another place. It means they could go to the most famous cosmetic reconstructive dentist in the country. And they, you know, oftentimes don't know who I am. I'm sometimes more well-known in, in my own profession then I, I hate to say in my own town, I mean, I'm relatively, you know, it's small town, people know what we do, but, um, but, you know, it's, I have to grab those opportunities they are in and out. And so they need to know they're, they are in a special place. They came here to get my tooth fixed. Actually, we had a patient recently, if you don't mind a story, a Please. CEO down from Denver, he was up with the major investors here in Aspen in a meeting and uh, a, a tooth broke off a molar on the gum line. And by the time he had our experience, he, he, he actually said to me, wow, I had no idea. And then he went back to his hotel, by the way, and said to the concierge, you know, Dr. Churchin's office was really amazing. I'm going back there for a full workup. And, you know, he's going to do a full mouth reconstruction this year, right? This was during Christmas time. And, um, and they, I loved it. The concierge said, oh, wow, you were able to see Dr. Turchin? You're so lucky. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how that happened. I mean, that's not even my team. If I train my team, my, do you know, the more you say it yourself and the, the more people around you start saying it before, you know, it spreads, you know, I, I have, I've seen it so many times where um, people say, you know, somebody told me blah, blah, blah about you. And I'm thinking that was me. I told you that, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, if we could subtly put it in there a, as many times as possible and your team doing is so much more powerful than you. So Get your team to say the things that you you wish you could brag to your patients about, whether yeah. it be a CEREC or artisan ceramist, complete opposites. Love what you do, do it well and be really proud of it. Yeah. I want you to talk about the gap between the stimulus and CE. And I think that's a pretty 
it's a great point. You know, one of the things that you've noticed is that when you do CE, you said you have a two-day gap or how many-day gap in between oh. courses? And then well, you so ask a question. Days, and then a month later, they come for another two days. Okay, okay. And in between, talk about what you do in between. So when they come back, you know, they already learned a lot. They already learned how to um, start taking records on patients and discussing it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really big into teaching on how to have the conversations because the worst thing in the world is to have all the clinical skills and then not have the communication skills. So I like to teach them both at the same time. So when they come back, I ask them, we go around the room because we do small groups, 10 people max uh, on purpose. And I ask them, what's, what's new? What changed in your practice? What conversations did you have that were unique and different? Uh, tell me something, you know, tell me what's new. And almost every time I get these great responses and they could vary from huge, like, you know, I, I'm, I started three arches. I, I got one time and I was like, what we, mm-hmm. we didn't even get there yet. Great. Hi, quick start. Um, and then, and you know, other people just are communicating in a way that they feel more comfortable. Um, they feel like it's less pressure to patients and patients seem to be responding and asking for treatment more. And I, you know, whether that's a crown or a full mouth, that that's a win that we learn how to communicate in a way that's um, not pushy and not stressful to, to, to our patients. And, but then there was one person in the room that said nothing, nothing's changed. And it really bothered me. I, I spent the weekend trying to dig in and ask him the questions. And um, I, I found out his Colby found out he's a very low quick start. And, um, you know, people have different uh, natural inclinations, not abilities, because we could all do things, right? But natural inclinations to get certain things done and starting something new, like talking to patients about cosmetic and reconstructive work, even if I gave him a really simple, easy to follow framework that's not pushy, for him, it's just, he doesn't change easily, right? That's who he is. And I think change is hard for most people, but some people actually just get to a new idea really quickly. Some are slower. And he certainly, when we looked at his Colby, was very low. And so what I would suggest is if you are that person, we should all know our Colby or another personality test. I know you're a huge fan. I love Colby because that's the one I know best, but there's a lot of other great ones out there. But certainly uh, having a low, if you have a low quick start and you're going to take a course and you're going to invest money and think of your courses as an investment, then you have to come prepared mentally uh, to try harder than maybe somebody else next to you. And totally. you just have to get to the mental mindset is I'm going to do this. I'm going to implement, I'm going to on the plane, right. Go over my notes and write them. Right. Or I'm going to actually pay attention. And I, Kirk, you're the best I've ever seen. I've never seen you look away from a lecture. I've seen you hours and hours and hours of you sitting in a lecture taking notes. And uh, I have a feeling you, you, you suck that knowledge in and realize some people are good at that. Some aren't, some get distracted by their phones. Some don't, but no, if you want maximum ROI, you have to like give yourself a little pep talk, stay away from your phone as much as possible during lecture. This isn't about like, as a lecturer, I don't really care. I mean, I want people to get the most out of it, but I'm not insulted. Don't worry about that. I want you to get the most out of it. Um, and then that plane ride home is some of the most powerful time to look at your notes and synthesize the information and figure out an action plan for Monday morning that you're going to talk to your team about. We're going to do these, you know, don't overburden them. I think one thing at a time, let them, let them get good at one new thing, whether it be, we're going to take a series of photographs on all our new patients, whatever you want to implement, just know, just do one at a time and, and get some confidence in having pulled it off because you're a person that 
doesn't have that inclination. And so it's going to take some confidence to say, wow, I might not have that inclination, but I can implement. And then you could do the next part and the next part and the next part. Yeah. I think you're, 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 you're pointing out an incredible tip for anybody that's listening. What, uh, what Andrew's talking about is the Colby test, K O L B E. And the person that's in charge out there, her name is Kathy Colby. And so if you've been through strategic coach, you have to take it. I love the test. It gives you four different numbers. You actually learn quite a bit. Now here's why it's important. You know who you are after you take the test. You go, oh my gosh, that's why this keeps happening to me. And it could be, it can really reflect on your self-esteem if you watch other people moving faster than you or get more done. And you start to, you start to tell yourself a story. Well, the Colby tells you what, and I won't give, this is not what this is about, but it's an incredible test. Now, Kathy Colby, I don't know if you know this, but her maiden name is Wonderlick. So she came from the Wonderlick family, which created one of the most incredible testing mechanisms ever. And she took it and made it better. And so the Colby A index, it's, uh, I think it's $75. You can go to their website. And I would actually encourage you, if you can get Kathy yourself to interpret it, it is hilarious. She's done mine. I laughed out loud. I've never met her. I've never wow. seen her, but she's like, I'm going to tell you who you are. And she read my, I laughed what? so hard. I'm like, you know, now it's important because what it points to is self-awareness. It really helps you understand where you get your most joy from, how you operate best. And so that's one of my favorite. And uh, I, I just wanted to point that out if somebody's listening. Number two, the notes thing, like I, I'm not very smart. I was not a great student in high school and even college. And so for notes, they're really important to me. I have one of these every month and I have to go back and look at it. And so I'm always fascinated. Like I told you, I've been to so many courses and I'll sit next to a dentist who's not taking any notes at all. And I'm like, dude, this is a five hour course. Like, are you just retaining all of this? Like, how are you not taking any notes? And um, I created a document. I would actually go back and I would get on the plane and I would just add to a word document, just the best things I'd ever heard from the best names. And so it's 333 pages long currently. If you want a copy of it, you can email me at kirkandactdental.com. I'll send you it. I'm so happy to, sh- it's the best stuff I've ever heard, you know, Told from, you, I want a copy of that one. That, I'm going to send you sounds- a copy afterwards. Um, but like, I, I like the idea of giving it away. Like once you learn this stuff, don't just save it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. as I read through it, I'm like, I totally forgot this. And I, I don't even remember that. And I shared with you, I've even showed people that have said things to me that I took this note in Traverse City, Michigan. And they're like, I never said that. And I'm like, yes, you did. I put a date next to it. So I think it's important to retain the information. And then one last thing is that if you're going to take any type of course like yours, you got to schedule some type of a team meeting within 72 hours. You know, you can't take an amazing course and then just come back and just get right into the throes of a dental practice because your team members are waiting to distract you. They're like, Dr. Turchin just came back from an amazing course. Let's distract the heck out of him. He'll totally forget what even happened last week. So, because they they know your hair's on fire. Right? They don't want to implement something new. They like it the way it is. Yeah, but but go. I think the important piece is the stimulus between courses. You know, you you share with me like people don't have to take courses for years and years and years and years. You just got to do a few things in between the stimulus, right? So that you can say this worked for me or this didn't work for me, right? Absolutely. Um, and you know, it's it's that it's distilling knowledge is what it really is. What you talk about of rewriting the notes 
afterwards, right? Of that you always did that. I think the plane's the best place. Just don't I the best advice I could have for anybody as a as a thinker and a learner is never get the Wi-Fi on the plane. It's the only place we have left in life. I get on a plane sometimes, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. For me to truly in my life, I don't know about anybody else, that's the only place I truly have quiet to read and to write. All my greatest uh, you know. Remember I mentioned that algorithm that I created for the perfect yeah. smile and bite. And that's how we teach people so quickly. I went on a plane with the idea that I have to write a formula because I didn't know how else to teach all of the complexity of cosmetic reconstructive dentistry uh, so quickly that I already committed to this small group of people for a four day course. This was like seven, eight years ago when we started it. And I sat there and wrote a formula on one plane flight. That's how like concentrated I feel. And and I, I just feel like that's where I could be in my zone of genius of learning and creating. Yeah. So I write and read. And sometimes I'm literally, you know, I'm reading, I get an idea and I start writing. And I, I it, people around me must think I'm crazy because I'm like a madman on a plane, like working. But it's 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 a very special place for me. It always has been. I would completely agree. You put great words to it. I, I think bad ROI is the $8 I spend to get the Wi-Fi on a Southwest flight because it's spotty, it didn't work, the wheel is spinning, and I'm like, I spend the whole flight refresh, refresh, <laughs> yeah, refresh, right. refresh, and try to send it never even one, worked. One useless text or something, you know, something that's not even important. So, and, and I agree. Like there are a lot of times I'll just open it up and write or read or just think on a notepad type of a thing. So it it becomes great, you know, one on one time. Go back to the. You know, I think one of the biggest things as, as you teach great, you know, cosmetic and restorative philosophies, to dentists, you get a lot of people coming to you that are still heavily involved in PPO environments and PPOs are growing. So a lot, it's infiltrating a lot of practices and it's not about writing a letter, you know, uh, getting a, how do you, how do you coach them to start to move away from PPOs? What do you say to somebody when they say, Dr. Turchin, I'd love to do all this, but my practice is too much PPO. How do you approach yeah. that? Well, you know, it's a, a, a twofold, I think. I think number one is realizing that the $50 PPO billing is not more important than conversing with a patient about, you know, their wear and breakdown and things like that. And the idea that most dentists tell me is that my, my patients just want a cleaning, all my new patients. And I just want them to, everybody to know, so do mine. Almost all of my new patients say, I just want a cleaning. In fact, most of my full mouth rehab patients just wanted a cleaning. So there are ways to have those conversations. And then once, you, once you're doing full mouth reconstruction, you could drop a couple of plans, stop worrying about checking for hygienists and realize that one or two big cases a month are the equivalent of financially and much less stressful in my mind Doing a, a, a full arch or 10 over 10 or 10 units is so much easier than doing a quadrant of fillings. It's just so much less stressful. It's so easy to prep teeth and having plenty of time and not stressed. And it's so much more fun. So I would say that A, prioritize the conversations over just picking out a, an occlusal filling to do, an right. amalgam replacement, number one. Um, and then uh, I think secondly... Uh, you know, you can work being in network in most states, in most places, there are ways to charge what you want for this type of work. I am no expert on it. I have a few slides in my lecture 
And I tell everybody, I don't know if you know Travis Campbell, if you've had him on at all. Yeah, he, I have. Yeah. Yeah. He, this is his expertise. I, it's not my expertise because I never had to do it. I've never taken an insurance check in my entire career, 25 years. So don't look to me. And But I know that there are ways to be able to bill what you want for these complex services. And uh, and I know my my students have slowly turned their practice into less insurance dependent. Maybe they just drop the lowest plans because they're doing one extra big case a month. Maybe that's the way it works for them. Maybe they decide when their hygienists ask for $80 an hour, they say, you know what, I'll drop a plan instead because it wasn't really financially uh, profitable, the hygiene part. And I actually have, because I know how to have these conversations now, I actually have plenty of patients. I would think, you know, I'm a, I have one hygienist, but I would think two would be the max any one doctor needs to be very full restoratively. And anything else actually takes away from optimum patient care of uh, the remaining patients because it's you're, you're distracted. You have too many hygiene checks. You're not caring for them. You're not having the conversations with each patient. So what you're doing is you're taking care of a lot more patients at a lower level right. versus taking care of less patients at a higher level. And it's just as profitable or more profitable to take care of less patients. And in my opinion, it's a lot less stressful. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you listen to the previous podcast, the one before this, you're going to hear a lot of numbers around PPOs. Right now, PPO write-offs are climbing. They're not even, they call them write-offs, but they're not really, write-off is a terrible name. It's not a write-off. You're not, you're not, you're not writing anything off. It's just an adjustment. It's just a discount. Like a write-off is a, a tax advantage. This is, there's no advantage to write. Okay. So that's a whole another. And then the other thing is we do see people that are writing off. If you want to use that word, 42%, that means you're working half of a year, almost for free, yeah. half of a year before you collect a dollar. Now you don't have to get angry. It's just a mathematics issue and you have to figure out, okay, this is not good. And as you start to take great CE, you know, you pointed to this, taking great CE is more than just the information. You start to create value for what you can do. If you take any great course right now, no one's teaching how to do a whole lot more of these under the umbrella of a PPO. They're teaching things that are above and beyond what a PPO will cover. And that might freak you out a little bit, but you're also going to get like from you, great verbal skills, the understanding. And I have people ask me every week, how do I get out of PPOs? Like, do I, how do I, do I adjust? It's a behavioral issue. Like you have to become a great communicator. You have to understand what you could do, what the patient wants, and you have to be able to communicate that. And these are behavioral things. And as Simon Sinek says, he hates that people call them soft skills. Those are not soft skills. Those are, those are real life, important leadership skills to be able to communicate with a patient. And I, I, I mean, I would love to do a tour of my top 100 fee-for-service practices so that everyone could listen or watch and go, what are they doing that's so different? You'll see one thing. Everyone is an excellent communicator and they're working it better at getting, you know, communicating. People still call your office and go, do you take my insurance, right? Yeah, like you're not, absolutely. people don't call you and go, I'm very wealthy. Can you prep all my teeth? I mean, you yeah. already, you already Doesn't mentioned happen. that. So. Yeah. It's amazing. People think that because I look, oh, it's Andrew, easier for you, Andrew. But I, you know, I take care of uh, bartenders. I have an insurance agent that just texted me because, by the way, I, I think I think at this level, I'm communicating personally a little bit more than than most. At least 
super VIPs. I've just learned that people, I'll tell you this, the very wealthy expect to know their dentist. They expect to know their professionals on a very personal level and to be friends with them and have them available. And that might not be for everybody, but I don't mind it. Somebody's spending sixty dollars to $100,000 in my office. And if they want to have my cell to A, invite me to dinner sometime, but also say, hey, can you get my daughter in? Her teeth are a mess. Can you just, can you do her mouth too? Sure. She doesn't want to call my office and I'm I'm happy with that. But anyway, that's because I'm in the habit of that, just a regular, uh, you know, everyday worker down Valley doesn't live in Aspen, almost an hour away, probably about an hour, uh, just texted me earlier and said, yeah, I think the 10 over 10 is the right option for me. Let's get that going. And, you know, it's, I don't even look for fillings. I, I hope I, I close my eyes. I don't want to see them. I don't want to do them. I do plenty. I take care of people. I'm not one of those people, like somebody you mentioned earlier, New Yorker that fights with me about, I do composites. You know, people think I'm a high-end dentist, so I must do only porcelain. I think it's a travesty not to offer people the low-end option also, to be honest, but that's just me. I just think people should have options. And the more you give, this is actually one of my great tips is give people options from the worst option to doing nothing. This takes all the pressure off. In my experience, if I say, you know, we could reconstruct your mouth, you could wear a night guard and retainer so things stay stable, or you could do nothing and nothing, and, and you, you won't die from this. I actually bring up death a lot. You mm -hmm. won't die from this. I make, I tease, I make fun. It lightens the mood. It puts zero pressure on them. The more times I say, or we could do nothing, the more likely they're going to choose an option above that and most likely, or more likely the bigger option. It's a little reverse psychology, I guess, but I think it just makes sense to try to not pressure our patients. People feel pressure, people don't like it, and people have a hard time saying yes when they're under pressure. Yeah, nothing makes me more uncomfortable. And I just, people are making me make a decision. Like if I didn't wanna do it, it's fine. You're also creating annuities that'll mature in the future. They may not do nothing now, you know, or they may do nothing now. And then they say, you know, I was here a year ago. I think I'm ready. Does that exactly. happen to you? Yes. Somebody, a, a buddy of mine always says, I don't know how Andrew pulls full mouths out of hygiene. I'm not, it's not that I pulled them out of a regular hygiene visit. They already had that conversation a year or two or three years ago. Right. So yeah, they, they happen to be in hygiene now, the holding pattern, if you will, the do nothing place, <laughs> which is perfectly fine. Uh, yeah. When they're ready, we're here. And they, you know, they don't feel that pressure. Yeah. I want, uh, I want you to tell them about, you know, I want you to tell our, our listeners about your course, but before we do, just give us some final thoughts on how to get the most ROI out of CE. If I'm a young dentist listening and I'm looking at a 30 or 40 years of dentistry in front of me, how do I, how do I put this in the right mindset? I would say first pay attention, well, choose the right course, choose something that you and or your patients are going to find interesting. Okay. And for me personally, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I know I'm biased towards cosmetic and reconstructive dentistry, but I think the other two um, are, are sleep, I think uh, is a, a, a great place that there's a lot of patients and I'm not huge into it, but I do it. Uh, but also there's something I don't do at all, but if I wanted to grow my practice, I would take, I would take implant courses. These are things people need and want and are uh, profitable and about fixing problems. And, you know, we shouldn't focus. I mean, too many people are focusing on keeping people healthy. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, but I mean, the, the heart surgeon doesn't walk around, uh, you know, 
with his focus purely on preventing heart disease, his job's to fix it. So I'm a fixer. I want, I want to find people and I want to fix big problems. I find that exciting. So find things that are interesting and fun for you and your patients. And I, I love life-changing dentistry. If you notice all those things, I think they're life-changing. Giving people teeth, um, getting them to breathe and have better memories and be healthier and live longer from sleep apnea and changing someone's smile. By the way, I just did my smile uh, my buddy, my buddy flew in to do my smile and I feel different. I know I've been, it's so great to experience it. I feel so much better. And when I had uh, some premolar temps that broke off and I wasn't smiling fully, I was a little depressed for days and they went, aha, the connection between smiling and happiness is so, you know, clear in the literature and we don't, we don't help enough people with that. So I would say pick a great topic, pay a lot of attention in the course, uh, ask questions. I think that's, you know, don't just stay quiet, go to a course, whether it be a big room or a small room, whatever it is, where you feel comfortable and get comfortable asking the hard questions so you could truly understand it and know that's your goal to leave understanding it. Go out to dinner, right? With the, the lecturer, hopefully they're, they're, they're going out to dinner. They, they want people to attend. I know I take my whole crew out every night. So I, I feel like I'm teaching from 9 a.m. till nine at night and it's exhausting, but it's also fun and exhilarating. Um, but if you have that opportunity, like I learned amazing from you at dinner, not during your lecture, <laughs> right? And it's been very powerful in my practice. These little ideas can be huge. Um, and then spend the time to distill it down on the plane. And like you said, have the meeting with your team but careful, one thing at a time. You might have a list of 20 things you want to implement, one thing at a time. They can't handle the whole thing. Um, yeah. That's that's just, uh, yeah, that would be my advice. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, I want you to tell our listeners what you're up to. If people want to find out more about what you do, how does it work? Do I come to you? Like, how do these courses work? Well, our course is uh, two days, and then a month later, another two days. And it's really interesting. I really designed it to be the most efficient learning possible. You know, Tim Ferriss's whole push of accelerated learning. Well, I studied all that and I created a course and distilled really complex ideas down to small, easy to understand bites. Like um, my buddy, Michael Ling finally came to my course after going to every other course in the country, which is fine. A lot of, most of my participants, by the way, not most, I bet half are, are like, this is the course, they're neophytes and cosmetic reconstructive. And the others are really have been to them all, Coys and Spear and all the greats that we all love and we all learn from, including myself. Um, and what they say at the end is you distilled it into the most simple idea. So Michael Ling said, Andrew, I've been to them all. You had two slides on equilibration and it was the best knowledge I ever had on equilibration. And that's my goal is to be as succinct, clear, and simplified as possible. If, if some people want to know, like, what do I do uniquely? I simplify everything to the easiest to understand. I, that's how I communicate to patients. That's how I communicate to dentists. And I give people like just a system to follow that works. Um, and people say, everybody's different. Yeah. Well, our system takes into consideration everybody. So we have two days that are, they're lectures, they're over the shoulder um, and they're hands-on parts of the course all in two days. And then two days again for the insertion. Um, and I find that people need to learn different ways. And the more ways they learn, the more it sticks. So between the lecture, the hands-on, the over-the-shoulder, they're learning it. And, um, you know, we, we, it's, it's like a fire hose when you come, by the way. I got to warn you. And maybe that's why I, I, I tell people to, you know, come prepared to maximize the ROI because 
we have people that come out of our course in the first six months do 10 to 15x uh, our course's uh, cost. And that's just in the beginning. Can you imagine what that means for a, a, a lifetime financially, besides more importantly than me, because I could just do a lot of PPO dentistry. And, and honestly, I'd probably be nearly as profitable if you're good and you're good at that. You know, I, I, I enjoy this. And it's wonderful to go to work and enjoy what you do because you're helping people in a way that, that matters in big ways. Yeah. Very well said, buddy. I'm so proud of you, man. You've done some great things. It's been fun to watch your journey and uh, I know it'll only get better here. So um, I just, uh, it's so good to get finally catch up after not, not seeing you for a while. So thanks for being on brother. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Do you, do you, you guys want the website or are you going to post that? Yeah. So I, yeah. I actually have, I, it's cosmetic coaching, right? Dot com. Yeah, dot com. Yeah. And if anyone wants to email me, by the way, personally, call it feel, out right now. Feel Give free. Yeah. I'm Andrew Turchin, DMD at gmail.com. Do you have any questions about anything I could help with? I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I'd love to help. Sounds good. Now, if you're not taking notes while you're listening to the podcast, flip up to the notes and Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening, you'll see, we'll have it in the show notes. It'll be right there. You can click right on it and you can send Andrew an email and I know that he'll be able to get back to you. Also a link to his website. Um, if you want more information, I'm just going to highly encourage you to check it out. I know you'll enjoy hanging out with them. So, um, stick around brother while we say goodbye to everybody else, but thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, just do us a favor, hit the share button, share it with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things you guys want to see. We're going to keep bringing it. All you have to do is show up and we'll be keep bringing great information. So until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.